Welcome to the Countdown Podcast. We have a double review for you today. The first one is The Nun what, Paul? Two. The Nun Two. Nunchell <laughs> Pop. There you go, The Nun Two. And then my ass will be doing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem What. Uh, yeah. Oh, is, that the co- is there a colon in there? There probably is, I hope fuck so. you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there is, fuck you. His name's <laughs> Wayne. My name is Paul. Straight into it then for this next film in the Conjuring universe. Oh, it's in the Conjuring. I remember I see the first yes, one. Yes, the first nun you saw way back when when we reviewed. I think maybe five years ago now on the show. By the way, take. Paul, people, yeah, Paul's doing the nun. I'm doing TMNT. Yes. That's so this will be completely non. I haven't seen non spoilers, so we can protect each other. Not that one's ever watching the nun. I will never watch. But I will watch Teenage Mutant. Mutant Ninja Turtles, whatever the byline is called. This one is directed once again by Michael Chavez and a screenplay by Ian Goldberg, Richard Nang, and Akela Cooper, based on a story by Akela Cooper, or Akela Cooper. Mm-hmm. Stars Thaisa Famiga, Vera's little sister. <laughs> Jonas Bloquet, back from the first one. Storm Reed, who seems to be popping up in everything these days. Is Jonas Bloquet the uh, priest? No, he the priest is conveniently written out of this particular oh, movie. No, I like he him. was the Frenchy sort of uh, ga- gardener yes, dude I remember who was in the first one, and a bunch of other people you've never heard of before. It's 110 minutes long. The budget, no word, which is very interesting. Really, for it not to have popped up yet, but yet this is making bank after only one day. It's already put away 13 million dollars, so going to end up in the 25 to 30 million dollar range, I think, for the first weekend. Maybe as low as 20 million dollars if it really. Drops off a cliff. Good God. Now, this is, I think, from memory, the ninth installment in the Conjuring universe. Yes, it's a bit uh, spotty, isn't it? Oh, this universe is completely spotty. After an amazing first couple of films, the first two were fucking great. Even Conjuring 2 are superlatively excellent horror films. They're genuinely scary, they're genuinely unsettling. Most definitely. James Wan at his absolute finest. And then it all starts to fall away with the one exception, the one decent film, I think, since then is Annabelle Creation, which wasn't a bad horror film at all. Oh. Everything else otherwise has been middling to shite. And the first Nun, in my opinion, was shite. I was trying to remember, having seen it with you, what I thought about it. But was it shite shite or was it just a bit shite? No, it was shite. It's quite I, shite. I remember you literally saying, I was never scared and that means this film, not very good. That's so right. you didn't mind it because it wasn't That's scary. right. That's what it was because I'm a pussy and it, and it was, you know, uh, yeah, I get it. Okay. So over on, well, basically, let me tell you the story then because Wayne's not seen it, so I won't ask him to do this particular bit. Uh, the nun somehow comes back from whence it was cast after the end of the first film. <laughs> I can see the level of care. It possesses a character and starts moving towards taking some artifact that will give it lots and lots of power. But the right. only thing that stands between it and its goal are two nuns who are back in the habit of busting ghosts. Back in the habit. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you, first of all, is Vera Farmiga and what's his name in it? Can I, can I ask? I can't ask. You can ask. It will be a spoiler to say yay oh, or nay. All right. Fair enough. Then let's just forget that. We'll move that one on to the Rotten Tomato scores then. Has it as 45% of critics are positive with an average score of 5 out of 10. Over on Metacritic, always harsh, a 48 out of 100. And cinema scores gave this... A, the audience walking out, C plus Ooh. on the A plus to F scale. And yet it's making bank. Yeah, because people will go and see a horror film. People will go and see a known IP horror film. They just will. I did. Now, I want to say with yeah, huge you. thanks yeah. to Universal Pictures and Warner, Universal Pictures representing Warner Brothers Pictures in this particular case, Evie and the crew. Thank you so much for the invite there. Who did you take? I got to take our friend Tanya. Oh, yes. yes, yes. And I must now say, before I give my review, Tanya Please. legitimately said, she did jump a few times and she wasn't sure she'd sleep well that night. Now, she's not a big horror film fan, 
but she came along anyway. So, so the horror did. So get it to did. Her. It did affect her, and I want to fully acknowledge that out there. And she's not a hardened. No, you know, unlike myself, who's yeah. a hardened horror film fan, who, as I said, really enjoyed the first two Conjuring Much films. Much harder to impress, Paul. Very hard to impress me. In fact, because this film is really, really at the same level as the first nun. It's not very good. So it's shape. Yeah, it's not very good at all. Got it. It's certainly not. I didn't find it scary at all. I found it very boring. It's 110 minutes long. It's far too long. Good God, it people. It's way too long spinning its wheels. It does go, It does lean into its artness with a couple of early deaths, but then it really neuters itself and it's almost like it's reluctant to go back there, which is very, very strange. Interesting. It just repeats the same formula over and over again, which is something glimpsed slash hinted oh. at the background, yep. which then suddenly lurches forward and scares a character who runs away. And that, if that's your jam, then you'll love this movie. It is not. <laughs> so okay, I know, not, I know it's not your jam. Although, although the whole something's in the corner of your eye in the background—that's my is favorite. Actually, quite good. Yeah, but it, it's just when it does it five, seven, eight, nine times, it just plays it over and over again. Where the film does excel and why it doesn't get a terrible, terrible score from me is I think the technical aspects of this film are very good. The lighting is excellent. The sets are very good. It's quite convincing its production design mm. so the technical side of it i'm like yeah this this movie had a budget it might only be 20 million dollars i don't know maybe maybe it's 30 million dollars maybe it's seven, I, I just don't know because the production design is so much better than the rest of the film oh okay the script is dog shit mm-hmm. the acting's fine because all i have to do is act scared and that's i guess relatively convincing but the scares are lackluster and mm-hmm. that's a horror film is meant to disturb or scare you and it did neither to me mm. In fact, I found it very hard to stay awake, even through the jump scares. So, not a good film. Very telling, very telling. And The Conjuring Universe, I'm sorry, is absolutely spluttering to a complete halt. The Conjuring, The Devil Maybe Do It was fucking shite. What was that one about? That was the third one in the series. We watched that one and reviewed it on the show. Did we? Yeah. Was that... that, Possession one. And that had Night Owl in it? Yeah. Okay. Had Patrick Wilson, had Vera Famiglia in it. Okay. That one sucked. The Nun films have sucked. The Curse of La Llorona sucked. Oh, I heard that one was a Two out of three Annabelle films. One was okay. One was horrendous. Mm, I've heard that. And the Annabelle creation, not bad. They're just crowbarring shit in here though, aren't they? It's getting very, very old in the tooth and that needs to find some way to reinvigorate this or just just get back to the core thing and try and do a better job than fucking, I think Michael Chavez might have been the guy who directed the Conjuring the Devil, maybe do it too. But they just find yeah, it an excuse to make it part of the the Warrens like kind of like story. Like this yeah. is something else that they know about, but it's got fuck all to do with them. So yeah, I can't recommend this. I'm sorry, it's not especially good. Maybe if you're horror light, like my film watching companion that night was, then you might get a bit more out mm-hmm, of it. It's mm-hmm. very predictable where it's going to go. And there's a moment in a film where one of the characters says, oh, have we just reached a dead end? I really feel like that is the way for the Conjuring universe. I just don't know what else I can do other than sell some more Ed and Lorraine Warren. But they're, they're cherry picking the best stuff. And the further we go into their yeah. case history, Dregs. the less good it gets by nature. Yes, of course. And like, look, but here's the thing though. This one made bank. So you can count on your ass that it's not going to well, be Well, it hasn't made end. bank yet. They're predicting somewhere between 30 and 35 million for its opening weekend in the North Americas. If you add the international box office on, I'm sure this will turn a profit. So much like the Blumhouses of the world, the Conjuring Universe seems to be now steering down that route of we make a small enough film on a small enough budget. We appeal to the mass audience that will come in and then give it shit reviews. C plus is a god awful score for cinema school. Let this be a lesson to you creatives out there. If you set your sights low enough, everything can be a success. Yeah. <laughs> But that's all the studio wants, right? No, that's it. Like it's, the model is obviously sound because they're still around where 
people like Canon and stuff are not. You know what I'm saying? So I'm sure New Line and Atomic Monster and the Saffron Company as distributed by Warner Brothers are all going to be happy with this outcome and they'll probably will green light more of it. And like an idiot, I will go along and watch it again. Yeah, I know. Because I still hope for that diamond in the rough, that horror movie that does surprise me. And when it happens, it's such a dopamine hit. It's so impressive. I cannot help but look for that. I am a fool. Ironically, don't be like me. Your plight is much the same as uh, art house film lovers. They keep going to or the shitty super, ones because what, eventually. What about superhero will, films? We're now in that. You know, but, superhero but everyone, fatigue is so that, such a yeah, thing. Yeah, but but at that stage, you're now just going like because still, if you looked at the raft of since Marvel, right, most of them have been good, and now you're like, uh, you're you're actually trying to hold it up to a standard as opposed to. Down I don't think it. I think most of the films since Endgame have been garbage in the in the superhero universe. Most, yeah, Marvel and Warner Brothers alike. Yeah, okay. Garbage to meh, not good enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, we, mm, yeah. Okay, fair enough. I watched. We're going to talk about it in our top ten last ten, which is coming up. I watched two films in the course of the last two weeks, both of which genuinely surprised me because I heard very middling reviews. No Superhero one, films? No, no, oh, okay. But no one was talking. But notable releases. I'll call okay, that okay. at the moment without spoiling anything. Neither of which one of them had a big budget, a really big budget, I think, and the reviews all seemed to be lukewarm. And I watched it and went, there's more originality in both of these two films and what they're doing than any superhero movie that okay. I've seen in the last five years. Nice. So, yeah, looking forward to talking about those in due course. So that's The Nun 2. I would give it technical aspects good, acting fine, terrible story, not enough scares. I give mm-hmm. it 40. Okay. Oh, 40. 40 out of 100. It's a fail. Okay, fair enough. I think slightly better than the first Nun only because of the technical side of this film. Mm. Okay. Nice one. Nice one. All right, Wayne, so we're going to move on to TMNT. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, colon. Thank you. Uh, Mutant Mayhem. Okay, so everyone, uh, you can go ahead and give us some stats, Paulie. All right, this one's directed by Jeff Rowe as screenplay by Seth Rogen and his frequent co-writer Evan Goldberg, Jeff Rowe, Dan Hernandez, and Benji Samet. It's based on characters created by Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. Seth Rogen also and Evan Goldberg both and James Weaver produced. Stars, Mika Abbey, Shaman Brown Jr., Nicholas Cantu, Brady, Brady Noon, Ayo, Edabiri, Maya Rudolph, John Cena, Seth Rogen, Rose Byrne, and then we get to the name, Giancarlo Esposito, mm-hmm. Jackie Chan. Yes, he's Paul Splinter. Rudd, Ice Cube, and Hannibal Buress. Mm-hmm. It's 100 minutes long on the budget, Wayne. Do you have any idea? No, I don't. I'm interested because you're the artiste here. Yeah, but like this is production. How about you know, a lot of names... The animation. How about 80? Not bad, Wayne. $70 million. The box office thus far returned $154 million. Here's my kawam. Go on. This film, you can already find it online. I know. Technically speaking, I believe it it just came out in Australia two days ago, but you could find it before then. So I don't know what they're doing. Can people around the world please wake up? Yeah. If you drop a film four weeks, five weeks later into cinema markets around the world and it's already out to digitally download in one country if that's just the US or Canada and Canada it will find its way everywhere you are shooting yourself in the foot why since COVID have we gone back to this fucking outdated model I've, I've actually done some research into this and what if you've is, got an answer for me which will satisfy me stop me complaining I'd love to hear it it's a primarily Australian problem um, the, the happens in Japan Japan gets shit so late I, it, perhaps the, 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 the issue is replicated there 
it's always been that you often the the uh, the the release date of a film literally makes or breaks it, as you know. Like if you release yeah. during the summer thing, but this is typically only the studios which have blockbusters like Avengers or whatever have enough power to buy and jockey out other other sort of like places for for that release. So what happens is if you've got anything but a massive hit with or massive like budget movie within you know the the release schedule of all the others. Australia will go, well, our release schedule works differently to the American ones. Typically, we'll allow it for an Avengers because you can pay us to get that in there. But if you haven't got the budget to do this, it just comes out and fits in wherever we have some time. Which is daft because it you're is going daft. to lose money. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense at all. But if you... And they, they hung on to this. It's not even the school holidays. School holidays are still two weeks away. I thought we were hanging on to it here for the school holidays, but we're not. Just fucking release it at the same time. Yeah. Whatever it costs, whatever amount of money, because it wasn't like we've been inundated with amazing films the last few weeks. No. Like, if you listen to our reviews and our scores the last few weeks, the quality of film being released has dropped off dramatically. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we're coming into, of course, the the effects of the rioters and the actor strike Mm. is still to be felt. Yes. So this is not going to get better before it gets any worse. Exactly. And I mean, no just delayed June part two. That's being pushed to March next year. Have they? Yeah. So films are now starting to move around the schedule. Yeah. They're trying to push it to fill up whatever gap or spread it out. I don't know. I don't know. Well, because they can't do any marketing for it. They can't have the actors walking the red carpet and being interviewed. Mm. That's for films and and TV shows being completed. That's right. All the other things have just halted production. You can't promote it. Yeah. Mm, Tough, tough. Okay. All right, so there, that's my little winch. All right, Wayne, what is this one about? Okay, so after being years, it's, it's essentially the Teenage Mutant Ninja story that you know of, but it's a little different. After years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers, who were changed by Ooze because of some, well, there's a whole origin story, which is somewhat different to the one you're used to. They basically set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers. They have a friend, April O'Neil, and there's something very different done with April O'Neil in this thing here. Okay, that's it good It is idea. 1,000% different to the one you're used to with okay. the yellow jumpsuit and the titties. <laughs> it's a... <laughs> and we then... have a film about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> and a film about nuns. If you're going to take a bet on the word titties not being used in an episode of this podcast, you just lost. You know me. Oh, I see a pair of thick, weighty breasts, and all logic flies out the window. Apparently, yes. cartoon or otherwise. Well, the idea was <laughs> not to get too into this, but in the previous TMNT on the cartoons, April O'Neil, I had a thing for her, like as, as you can for cartoons, because she was Ranga, she was, you know, these things and so on. This is this is dangerously boarding a red dwarf territory. Yeah, you're right. Okay, let, let's just let's just back off on this. <laughs> You will be surprised what they do with April O'Neil in this one, shall we say. Okay. But I will also say this. Is she called in on the case? You might say. You might say. Um, the, the thing that is different about this is that, one, all the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Ninja Turtles are actually voiced by teenagers. And you can hear it. They sound yeah, like kids. Hence, hence the uh, names of people I didn't recognize. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I will say this. They're doing a fucking bang up job. It's Ooh. really, really good. They're all in high school. Well, high school age. So April O'Neil is high school. Okay. Right? If you've seen the trailers, you know what I'm talking about. The style is definitely, definitely influenced borrowing Spider-Man. from Spider-Man, Spider-Verse films. But I will tell you this. Also pushed back, by the way. Is it? Yeah, it's pushed, the third out, one. pushed out of March now to an undisclosed date. Yeah, that's not, oh, bloody hell. Oh, well. But the, you know, it's funny because the strike doesn't actually cover animation or um, CGI. Did you know that? There you what go. about the voice work? It's a good question. It's a good question. Anyway, who knows? Sorry. Uh, but like this show, this show here, it looks... The, the only thing that makes it look like the Spider-Verse movies is the low frame rate. The rest of it is a lot more freak, freaky looking. It's like purposely crude. 
on per- so you'll see it when when you when you watch it you'll see it it's like oh purposefully or seventy million dollars that's all we can no, afford no no they definitely <laughs> this was a decision it wasn't like fucking the flash where it's like you know oh, we're trying no, to sell it that, as a decision fuck off <laughs> once again for the record I don't care what you tell me Warner Brothers and who was it Andy yeah. Machete you did not mean it to look that way exactly and if you did. You should all be fired. I would actually have said, look, we didn't have enough time to complete it. Yep. We didn't have enough money. Sorry. Yeah, we ran because out of money. Because of Ezra Fuckface. Let's so. just be honest. We ran out of money. I'm sorry. It's not quite the vision we had for it, but please accept it for what it is. This is the only one you're ever going to get. Exactly. And by the way, I love The Flash and I can't believe it bombed. I don't know why. Other than that. Other than that. Did we not just give you a very compelling reason? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, okay. So, yes. So, again, it is purposely crude, but it does look good holistically if you look at it sort of on the thing. There are some real funny bits in here. Cool. There are some real funny bits. And it's actually on purpose a little bit unsettling the art style. It does grow on you. I would say when it started, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. And then after a while, I'm like, no, I'm good with it. I will say that there are some truly inspired scenes. Uh, and they use 90s songs on the soundtrack. Look which out. is awesome. I'm talking like, hot damn. Like, you know, No Diggity from Blackstreet. Like, anyway, it's just like it's the songs like that that Paul's probably not familiar with. As Paul's I, not. <laughs> as I mentioned, Jackie Chan is the voice of Splinter. And I didn't. Uh, about three, maybe like um, ten minutes in, I'm that's like, "Cool casting." No, I'm like, "Shit, that's." I'm sure that's Jackie Chan. I look it up. That is totally Jackie Chan. Now, <laughs> jerk off. Continue. Jerk off. Continue. Exactly. <laughs> now, I one thing that you is, also didn't think you were going to hear <laughs> this episode. <laughs> well, there's one thing that is interesting about this. Now, in the cartoons, the idea is Splinter was, if I remember correctly, he was an actual Grandmaster fucking ninja motherfucker and then he got changed into a rat by the mutagen and so when he right. brought up the ninja turtles he actually brought them up in the ways of doing ninjutsu and that's why they're the shit that's not the case here Paul I won't tell you what it is but it's not quite the case and I, I don't know enough about it is far more contemporary the way this goes off and okay. you might think of it I was sitting going I don't know how I feel about that but I think in the end it's like no this actually does work because the way that the characters actually evolve through the movie it kind of works it just turns out that they're yeah, I'm not going to tell you exactly what the problem is, but not problem. The difference is, but that's what it is. Now, I'll say this. I had laughs. I had a good time with it. Because it's this day and age, you've got Leonardo who has swords. You've got Raphael who has side. These are all piercing weapons. Yeah. And no one gets cut. Right? So uh, it's more like the they're getting bashed a bit. Like yeah. that somehow the, 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 the blades don't they, cut. They, they spin them. They don't make them very sharp. Right? Yes. Now that was my issue. Because do you remember the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? Very vaguely. Okay. Yeah. It had fucking like all kinds of shit in it. And it was really violent. And that's why I liked it. And the it and people really com- okay. people complained about it like a motherfucker. Because like Michelangelo had his like nunchucks. And he was bashing the tits out of people. Donatello in that movie gets his ass whooped by the Foot Clan. And I mean... It's an extended scene where they're all beating him up. And I'm like, holy shit, this is a really hard... And it was really, really good, but of course... the Surely there was no one being stabbed with blood everywhere. No, but if you watch that first TMNT movie, it's violent. Way more violent. And it was really good, I thought. So anyway, um, the second one... Plus I had one of the greatest songs of all time attached to it. Which one? Which I alluded to earlier. Partners in Crimes. Was that what? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Turtle Turtle Power. Power, Turtle Power, yeah. But here's the thing. The second one, if you watch the second of the movies, it had like Ya Kid K and, you know, all the, like, all the other shit. Like, like it was crap. It had vanilla ice in it, Paul. It had fucking vanilla ice. Yeah. Should have so, stopped at tur- Turtle, Turtle Power. Well, that's the thing, yeah. Anyway, so there, that, that's all how this works. And I would say that this film ultimately is out of 100. Okay, I'm going to give it a 68. 
Wow. From 68. That's it's, good. Yeah, it's not bad. Solid? It's solid. From like you? I said. Okay, so it's looking at maybe a 55 from me. Okay. Yeah, probably, I would say. I don't know how you... I, I imagine your daughter would quite like it. Yeah, I want to watch it with her. That's my plan. It's actually the, the execution of the voice and everything else that's really good. And she wasn't interested until her cousin said he wanted to see it. And then she's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll watch it then. So Yeah, I don't imagine it's quite for her demographic as, as a young girl, but... What do, you, what do I know? Did you know that young people were all the girls now play games? I know a girl at work. She's 25 years old. She's telling me about anime, manga. She's white, Paul. And she's like, and she's fucking. <laughs> hot, hot damn. And she plays like video games like a mother. They all play games now. Where were these women when I was young? And they were like, oh, games. That's a vag dryer. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> the third thing you didn't expect to hear. <laughs> On this particular episode, <laughs> review of the countdown. Man, women my age, if you even mention VR gaming, that can cause a drought. <laughs> For real. <laughs> I once took off my VR helmet in front of an ex-girlfriend and uh, an African kid crawled out of her pussy. It was just a drought, my friend. So <laughs> Paul's having trouble with that one. Everyone. Reviews of what okay. <laughs> Well, I guess we were spicing this up a little. So, long story short, movie pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Unlike the Nun too. All right, so sixty-eight out of a hundred. Yeah, no, you should you should check it out. No Spider-Man, but it's better than. It's definitely nowhere near as good as Spider-Man, but that's not to say it's bad. Quick, on a shout out here as someone who hasn't seen the film as of yet. I feel like Seth. Rogan and Evan Goldberg really are making a name for themselves Bro, outside Seth the Rogan. camera. Like, their producing is, I mean, obviously the boys. Dude, Seth Rogen is one of the most, I think, prolific um, Hollywood people there is. So he makes his fucking move as, you know, the the, the stoner guy, yep. right? So he's an actor. Bang. Then he starts directing films, right? He writes them as well. With, with, and then he's got a massive weed business wow like on the side now he does producing then he does the boys then he does tv then he does fucking preacher and now he's doing animated yeah things. i forgot about preacher preacher wasn't i didn't find preacher as good i never really resonated with i don't even really yeah i mean the boys but is still more, but people yeah. seem to love quite enjoy that dude show. he's a powerhouse he's an absolute power and this is like proof i think he's got the whole world fucking fooled if you can be a stoner and be this productive yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, that must be a genetic like, I thing. I think that he, he and Rose Byrne are executive producers on Platonic as well. Platonic was really. Which I still love. Really fucking middling. Which I still love. Does, I have, not, does not deserve a season two. I can't believe you didn't Couldn't like it. Give a shit I, if I it gets cannot believe not. you didn't like it, bro. Anyway. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear about that one on the worst <laughs> of the year list later <laughs> on. Fucking hell. <laughs> All right. Spoilers. Um, okay, yeah. So those are our two reviews, everyone. There we are. That's our reviews <laughs> by way of some inappropriate comments. But that's the countdown for you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Wayne, how did the good folk get in touch with us? Let us know how offended they are. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> well by, either, by either our scores or your comments. Let's be honest, Paul. <laughs> Let's not fool ourselves at who's going to be offended at what. Uh, you can go, you can uh, get, search for us on uh, Google and get all our socials. You can send us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com and you can check out our website, thecountdownpodcast.com. Yes, that all sounds good. We're also on Podbean where we host. Check us out there. Like and follow the show. The Facebook is giving you links in the show notes for where you can you can particularly get to us in terms of registering your recoil about some of the discussion today. And otherwise, we're on X. Going to give it to you. Where, uh, <laughs> where it continues to suck ass as a platform. But thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been The Soundboard. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. 
whenever Wayne speaks. We'll catch you next time, sweet. Over half-shelled in the hero's floor. In this day and age, who could ask for more? The crime wave is high with muggings mysterious. All police and detectives are furious because they can't find the source of this lethally evil force. This is serious, so give me a quarter. I was a witness, get me a reporter. Call April O'Neil, and on this case, hey, you better hurry up. There's no time to wait. We need help, like quick on the double. Have pity on the city, man, it's in trouble. We need heroes like the Lone Ranger when Tonto came pronto. When there was danger, they didn't say we'd be there in half an hour, cause they displayed triple power.